Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nick, why should people listen to this episode of Pod Friends featuring you? Because I don't know how many Australians have been on Pod Friends, but uh, you could always do it a little bit more down under in your ears. And we talk <laughs> about all things grief. We talk about all things writing, teaching, mm-hmm. uh, being a dad, bit of survivor, bit of you know general life lessons. And I had a I I couldn't think of a better way to spend the next hour and a half. To this week's edition of Pod Friends. That song was Pod Friends by the one and only Will from America. And I'm your host, Matt Scott, here for the season finale of Pod Friends. And today I'm excited to get to a conversation with the one, the only. You may know him from Survivor Australia, from Talking Tribal, from his coverage on Rob as a podcast about Survivor Australia. 
Nick Ayadanza is here on Pod Friends this week, and we had a really powerful conversation. I think what was so great is that while I am not um, a regular viewer of Survivor Australia, no, I know, don't drag me. I get it. It's the best. It is amazing. This is the best season ever. I will check it out. I promise I'll check it out. I promise. I swear. There are a lot of episodes, and they're long episodes, but I'll get to them. I swear. Um, is that Nick is someone who I really first met and first talked to when we hit record and when we had this conversation. This was us feeling each other out, getting to know each other. And that's happened a number of times this season on Pod Friends. And I think one of my favorite things about Pod Friends is that it is an excuse to have those conversations literally with someone across the world. Me at 7 a.m. my time, him beginning at 10.30 p.m. his time, going uh, past midnight for him, uh, going into sunrise for me. Um, and I really loved talking with Nick about so many things and really didn't know the, where the conversation would go exactly. But I love this conversation because while, as mentioned, you know, we live on the other side of the world from each other, that there is so much that we had in common. Um, and one of the things that comes up a lot is that we talk about grief. We talk about our experiences with grief. Um, his grief anniversary of losing his mom was 13 years ago, February 18th. My grief anniversary of losing my dad is six years ago, March 8th. And so we're kind of in this in this season of our lives that I know a lot of people could relate to. And we spent a lot of time talking about it because I think it was something that was top of mind for us and something that we needed just that healing space for a conversation about grief, which often people don't know how to talk about or don't talk about. And we went there. And so I hope that if you're someone who has lost somebody, if you're somebody who's grieving, whether that's the loss of a person or the loss of a thing or something in your life that was really stable. Um, I think of that especially um, in, in this season of not only my life, but many lives where there are um, just lots of changes job-wise, family-wise, health-wise for folks that I see popping up. Like If that's going on, um, hopefully our conversation about grief gives you an excuse to talk about grief with those around you, to look into the resources around you where you connect with folks. Um, after I lost my dad six years ago, by the end of March 2017, not only was I listening to Rob as a podcast, and that was when I discovered this community, but also that was when um, I, I entered a grief group, and that was so helpful for me. And so Nick talks through a project that he has that's really helped navigate grief. And as you could hear in our conversation, grief is something that persists. There's not an end point to it. 13 years later, he experiences it. Six years later, I experience it. Um, but I hope that, and I think that our conversation will give license and permission to people to grieve and to feel normal in grieving for years, for decades, for their lives, because that's what grief is. Um, but we also get into masculinity. Um, we both went to all boys Catholic schools growing up. He teaches at an all boys school now. I mean, I was really curious about his experience and reflections from that. And so we talk about masculinity and manhood and vulnerability. We talk about what it's like teaching those boys, teaching English in particular. One of 
my favorite subjects in school. We talk about what it's like from being a dad with two kids who are born around, uh, probably running around at this very moment and one on the way, which is really exciting. Um, we talk about the Life They Made documentary, which is something that Nick has created over five years with 20 interviews, hundreds of hours of conversations to really recreate the story of his parents. Um, we talk about film as a place of healing and the book that he's working on, which is really incredible. And I was just so curious. I'm so excited to listen back to this conversation with you, to relive this conversation with you, with Nick. And if you want to relive not only this, but other pod friends conversations along the way, you could do that at robhasawebsite.com slash pod friends feed. Um, if you go there, you could subscribe and I encourage you to look down, subscribe wherever you're listening. It goes a long way to keep the lights on to keep pod friends coming back. This is the season finale, but I'm hoping that there are more pod friends conversations in the future. And just knowing that you are craving these conversations, that you're listening to these conversations, that you love them um, goes a long way. So please subscribe, but also get in touch with me on social media at Matt Scott GW. Get in touch with Podfriends at Hey Podfriends. Like, reach out because it goes a long way to uh, not only celebrating Podfriends and what it is and the work I'm doing with Podfriends, but more importantly, tagging Nick Iadanza at Nick Iadanza, tagging the other guests you listen to and letting them know what you appreciate goes a long way to building a better world because we don't have enough of that love and appreciation out there. So, that's what i've got for now so much more to dive into with nick but you'll hear it along the way um and again um if you are someone who's out there grieving just want to shout out um that there are so many resources out there that you could look up and um just to know that it's normal to get help and not not go it alone now let me introduce our guest Making his way to the podcast, hailing from Adelaide, South Australia. He is a two-time dad with one on the way, a husband, a book lover, an adventurer, a high school teacher, and you may know him best from Survivor Australia Season 1 and 5 All-Stars. He's the co-host of Talking Tribal and an iconic, incredible, immaculate, insightful, illuminating, imaginative human being. Please welcome... Nick Iadanza. But yeah, like Nick, I don't know where to see what I always start with when I'm doing these interviews. It's normally with like a I don't know where to start or where to go because there's so much to dive into in talking with you. But I don't know what like if you were me, what would you ask you about? What would you start? How would you start this out? It's a really good question. I would, I would ask, like, what the hell is going on in at Australia at the moment? And I would answer that. I'm looking out my window oh. and telling you that it's nearly midnight and it is uh, <laughs> a, a work night. But when you live yeah. on the other side of the world uh, and you have this amazing connection to an American community, predominantly yeah. American community, um, mm-hmm. these are just the sacrifices that you have to make. So I'm just so grateful to be here chatting with you. Thank you so wow. much. And wow. um, I love your work. I've been like absolutely smashing through the podcasts and I just feel very blessed and honored. So I don't know what I would ask me. I would guess just to say that at the moment, like 
it's great to be an Aussie out there in the uh, yeah. Survivor community. A lot of hype around Australian Survivor at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it's kind of all over Twitter and I feel blessed to be part of that little community as well. I'm in a really good space at the moment. I'm really happy right yeah. now. Yeah, no, well, uh, no, just to keep going with that, like what – I don't know. What are you, <laughs> what, what are you so happy about right now? I just like to, I like to hear the happiness. I like when people yeah. talk about what they're happy about. Cause it's just like, you yeah. just hear it. You hear the rate, the rate, the happiness radiating. Yeah. No, I like, I just, I don't know. I've been thinking lately that like about how lucky I am. I don't know. Like, uh, uh, you know, I've gone through some pretty tough things in my life and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at this really happy point. And I was saying to my wife the other day that I feel like I'm, the happiest I've ever been. And I've never wow. said that before. I don't think I've ever verbalized that. Like that's yeah. such a strange thing to actually admit or even to feel. I've never felt that. Um, yeah. Wow. And it's not to sound bloaty. It's not to sound ungrateful for where I've been in the past, but it's amazing when like all the things that you've wanted kind of like you finally feel like that. Well, not that you've wanted, like that right. the, seed, the seeds that you've been sowing, like, are all kind of like coming to fruition. So like work, family, got this great kind of little kind of side life with Survivor and, uh, and you know, just friends, just, just everything. Like I just feel, I don't know, like it's been a while since I've actually been on a podcast speaking about my life, not Survivor. Yeah. And I feel like a lot has changed in my life. Um, and I'm just really, I'm just really happy. I'm really happy. And, and I don't, I don't know, I just don't hear people talk about that enough and like celebrate their wins. I feel like, um, yeah, I, I know that as a teacher, as a teacher, I'm often trying to, you know, encourage my students to to kind of own their happiness and own what they're proud of. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that, you know, everything in my life is great. That's not the case. But I, just, right. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's important that we do that. Right. Like, do you, do you ever yeah. do you ever stop and take stock and just think that? Well, yeah, I mean, that, no, I'm glad that you're bringing this up and I'm glad that you asked me that in this conversation because really um, that's something I want to do more of is taking time for those pauses. And, you know, similar to how you mentioned your students and really pushing them to focus on that, I find that with the people I'm surrounded with, which is like teammates that I work with in my job or that yeah. I manage in my job in particular, like I'm really focused on um feeding into them like rest and appreciating that just appreciating where they've been and with this celebrating yeah. the things a uh, gratitude, I guess, really along the way. And it's, um, I don't know, it's really important, but it's also, I've also kind of found that it's so hard sometimes when you're like, this is the right thing. Like celebrate what you, it's a lot more yeah. complicated in your head. And so, oh, like, for, so yeah. easy to say, very difficult exactly. to actually execute. Yeah. And it's easy to see or to like instill in other people, but less in yourself. So I, cause for me personally, I found that. And I think like as a teacher too, like it's a, there's a similar role of like, you are focused on helping someone else get to their excellence. It's like yeah. a coach almost in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is a very different skill to do that for yourself. And I'm learning. I think it's, it's cool to be at a place where I'm like getting more of a grip. I'm like, damn, like the things that stressed me out five years ago, 10 years ago are so much different than mm. the things that stress me out now. But also my feelings about like my ability to tackle them. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know. There's more happiness, more confidence too in where I am, at least on the journey, you know? 
That's good. It's so good. It's it's funny because like what you said before is so true that like you know we don't take the time to like think about and encourage and nurture that in ourselves and like I think as a teacher right like you mm-hmm. know. I feel like email has changed the teaching profession forever. If there are any teachers, teachers I know that has changed. I know that has changed everyone's profession, right? If you think about mm. you know twenty years ago, but we're just yeah. like constantly on the email, emailing like your son did this or this happened and blah 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 mm. blah blah. I teach an all boys school, but mm-hmm. I, I tried to make this conscious decision not long ago that like. I'm not just going to be contacting home about the bad things. Like every week I need to be contacting home about like one good thing that one person did. And it really does change your mindset, right? That like your Uh job is about channeling this flow of information, not just like kind of like me constantly pushing something negative over to you. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do I then kind of take something off your plate and kind of give you something good? Um, It's very difficult to do though, right? So like you said, like we can do it for other people, but how can, how do we learn to do that for ourselves? Yeah, and I I am curious to like to be able to dive more into your uh not to overuse the word journey, but into like your story and and yeah. journey over these last 5 6 years or so. Uh yeah. I I love to reference a Taryn show interview cuz yeah, I feel like yeah, yeah. Taryn um did such amazing work on RHAP and it's wild to think that a lot of it's like as long ago as it is, but yeah, like Taryn was the, like he interviewed you back in yeah. 2017 uh, Halloween 27 October 31st 2017 is when the episode was, famously yeah. came mm-hmm. out and so there's that but I I think like it, just to focus on what you're saying right now um, in your life as teacher number one I did not know that you worked in an all boys school which is very interesting because I want to talk yeah. about that because I went to an all boys uh, high school Um, which was its own experience and also (laughs) just in terms of like teachers like today um up so you mentioned being up uh pretty late i'm also up very early which is that's that's the balance dynamic of australia (laughs) and the u.s we we love it a little given a little give and take so up early but i'm also in um philadelphia instead of washington dc where i normally live because i'm giving a talk to teachers today and i love teachers my mom was um a teacher professor college professor mostly for um 30 years or so so i've loved gratitude and appreciation for that group but I want to know, like, what is, I don't know if there's anything notable from your perspective about uh, being a teacher in an all-boys school or why that resonates with you, what that experience has been like. Well, first of all, good luck today because teachers are the what make the worst students. <laughs> like no. every, every time we have to sit as a staff in like a meeting or some sort of training, it's just like every behavior that we know we shouldn't be doing, we don't want our oh, students no. to do, like people end up doing. And it's just like, have a bit of foresight, guys. Um, but I love <laughs> teachers. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Like I, that was something that I just had this feeling of when I was like really little. Um mm-hmm. And I went to an all-boys school. I went to all-boys yeah. Catholic school, which is not the context that I Same. teach in now. Yeah. Um, uh, so I teach in an indip- – so it's a bit, bit different in Australia as, you know, based on my knowledge of American high school system from the movies. Um, right. We have, you know, um, you know it's, it's an independent, all-boys, um, very prestigious kind of school. Uh, it was actually like filmed for my Survivor All-Stars promo there's this amazing mm-hmm. kind of like Hogwartsian building that my promo was filmed in front of. Uh, <laughs> and then I do the kind of like turnaround and I'm like, 
bouncing an apple up and down, holding the books, just the, the cheesiest stuff ever. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's like, it's not, it's not actually that dramatic, but yeah, um, it's Survivor. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's right, Survivor. exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, so I, I love my job. I absolutely mm-hmm. love my job. And I, there's just something mm-hmm. about teaching all boys that when, when I've taught, I've taught mixed, mixed uh, before, both, yeah. both boys and girls, uh, and the girls keep the boys in check and the boys are very different around the girls. And there's something about just that mm. kind of like unbridled, um, what's the word? There's just like less pretense, I think. Not that it's about keeping the boys in check and their testosterone. I'm very anti all that kind of right. like to- toxic masculinity, all that kind yeah. of I'm very, very much not on board with that. And the school uh-huh. I work at is very not like that, which is great. But there's something about just that unbridled enthusiasm that you can have when it's just like the guys hanging out at school um, and not having to worry about that kind of like having to impress anyone. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. I just, I just, it's, it's tricky as well, though. It is a tricky profession to work in. Um, and some days I'm just like, it would, might, I know that I would be, it would be easier to teach perhaps all girls or to teach, you know, I've, mm. I've done all, I've done everything. Um, but there's something about it that is just so raw and interesting and funny. Like I, I feel like <laughs> I get to go to work every day and the kids make me laugh and they take the piss out of me and uh-huh. I get to take the piss out of them. And I get to teach cause I'm an English teacher. I'm the head of English yeah. at my school. Um, I get to teach boys about poetry and literature, which is stuff that they on the surface think that yeah. they don't, that they don't love. Um, but then eventually kind of like awakening that in them is actually really nice. Um, I've, I've run a poetry journal. That's like my co-curricular. I have a little committee, a poetry committee. And like, mm-hmm. it sounds so nerdy, but like, you know what? Like it is in some regards, but it also isn't. And like, who cares? What does nerdy mean? I'm a big nerd, but what? Yeah. We, why, why are we still using these labels? And, and, and it's what's great about it is that we have just huge coverage, all types of kids, you know, and we, we get together, we write poetry, we publish a book, people come, they buy the book every year and it's an amazing success. So I love my job. Yeah. I'm really, really happy. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that a lot. And I, for so many reasons, but number one being that my English classes in high school and, you know, in, in college, actually, while I was studying business and marketing more specifically, like I, um, I took a ton of creative writing classes and poetry okay. writing in particular. Um, and woo, so woo, it was like, woo, 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 poetry. <laughs> um, but the thing I love about that and everything you're saying is that um, just cause I experienced that reality too, growing up in a similar, like all boys Catholic school yeah. setting, uh, which is its own story, like not being Catholic, but you know, still, yeah. I, I felt like I, I was able to observe and take in so much from my experience. Like, um rather than just being in it also like sitting back and just appreciating sometimes like the madness and chaos of it all but also like the beauty of it where there is a level of vulnerability that um that you know it, at least speaking to men in that dynamic or boys in that dynamic like a level of vulnerability that comes up that feels a, more acceptable or more just commonplace like and it's healthy it's it's needed because men often don't have like male friendships like i don't know what the statistics are like but i've read different stories on just how like men are so disconnected from uh 
being healthy humans, I guess, is basically the way the best way I could put it. Um, and there's there are a lot of issues and everything. And I'm I'm by no means to your point. I think like it's funny. It's funny when you're like, I'm the I'm not like this toxic masculinity guy because I'm like, no, Nick, you are not. Um, and I'm also very far from that, too. And actually have done like a lot of work um, on this topic of like masculinity and like how yeah. we show up in places and like how men could be better and so on and so forth. Um, but for me, it, it, uh, it's awesome to hear that. Like, I wish that you were my English teacher. Like that would, be oh, really cool. I had, I had like multiple English teachers that I loved. I even had a creative writing teacher. I loved like my um, senior year and that was amazing. And it opened up so many doors for me, but it was like, um, it was interesting because I, I don't know. I just I don't know what it was about English that jumped out. Yeah, personally. It, it's funny because like I, I don't know whether people just say this to me because I am an English teacher, but like mm-hmm. I feel like people always have a very fond memory of their English teacher. And I don't know whether it's because like perhaps as an English teacher, you get more autonomy to bring your own personality into the classroom with the types of books you like, uh. the types of films, the types of poetry. Um and your own, like your own style, perhaps more than other teachers. I don't know. Um, yeah. and, but I feel like people always have really fond stories of their English teachers. And I've got a really, really nice story uh-huh. um, uh, that I, I have this little card that I've printed off, sorry, that I've laminated that sits in front of my desk. And it was from a student um, in my first few years of teaching. I taught him in like year 10, 11, and 12. Um, he was a boarder, so he had come from the country. Mm very low literacy, hated school, wanted to leave every day and just go back on the farm and be a diesel mechanic and, and just was like yeah. so, so disaffected. And, you know, I just kind of like, I was very different. I'm this kind of like, you know, very, um, I don't know, like not this blokey bloke and yeah. he, and he was, and we just, but we kind of opposites attracted and we just kind of like, mm. just kind of, it just kind of worked. And you know, while he couldn't read that well, I was getting him to like quote literature and we read To Kill a Mockingbird, which is like lots of people's favorite books. And my son's uh-huh. name is Atticus. And uh, right. you know, it's this book that has a, a real, um, means a lot to me. Um, while, you know, while it is problematic in some respects, it, you know, mm-hmm. it, there is a lot about it that awoken uh, a love in literature and me. And I remember uh, he graduated in year 12 um, and I was actually living in the boarding house at the time. So I was almost like his like parent here as like his house parent. Yeah. And he gave me this little card and it just had two sentences on it. And it said, um, thank you so much for what you've done. You knew you were licked before you began, but you saw it through no matter what, which is a quote from To Kill a Mockingbird yeah. about, you know, don't give up on things. Even if you know you're going to lose, you push through and you keep trying. And if you lose, you lose, but at least you tried. And he, in that moment, related it back to himself and how I didn't give up on him. And it was this thing that I had taught him three years ago that I thought he'd completely forgotten. And I was just like, you know, if all those people who say that like boys are not sensitive, boys can't be vulnerable, boys don't care, you know, uh, it's just, it's just not true. Like it just, it's, it's, it's not true. And obviously in some respects, uh, there is other issues, but my right. experience has been that no one is impossible to cut through, particularly if you yourself are being vulnerable 
And I think it's such a good lesson that I hope all my other students take on that, like just a little bit of vulnerability and letting down that guard of being that kind of masculine, blokey figure, the yeah. Aussie football, you know, player. Like if we can just kind of drop all that beneath that, there's yeah. a lot more that actually connects even very disparate men. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I, there's a lot I appreciate about that, but number one, uh, just the power of, like believing in someone else slash someone believing in you goes really yeah. a long way because I also think of the dynamic and, you know, maybe this was different uh, 13, 14, 15, 16 years ago. I think, I think that's all when I was in high school that, yeah, that math adds up. Um, but <laughs> like, you know, like when I was in school in all boys school, especially like some, you, there were some teachers, I think that did um, they kind of, treat you like the stereotypes of what what a boy or what a man is or i think a, yeah. like a lot of them buy into that or believe in that and it's nice to have people who could kind of not put you in that box and just allow you to more fully be yourself i, I you know it's there's a lot there and i feel like this in itself could be an entire conversation yeah. but <laughs> i mean i actually want to ask uh, while we're talking about teaching like one dynamic that I think is so interesting. I have a lot of friends here in the US who are teachers, not the best experience uh, yeah. being teachers, especially with the pandemic that added on top of it. But it's just like people not being yeah. paid well enough, um, overworked, uh, like just a lot of a lot putting up with a lot. Um, yeah. And I'm curious what the comparison or the contrast is for you know, in, in Australia, generally, yeah, um, with, yeah, yeah, with teachers like what? What's that like? Look, my experience of teaching in America is through. You know, I follow a lot of kind of edu Twitter kind of you know uh, mm -hmm. information and and seeing the kind of information that comes from teachers direct from them. It, it's quite alarming about um, the state of the American education system, and 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 I and I I, I don't have firsthand experience, and right. I'm just going based on what I'm hearing people. But like, is right. it true that people, that teachers in America purchase their own supplies yes. for the classroom? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's okay. That's not, that doesn't happen here. It can like in the, in some elements of the public system, um, you know, there is, uh, you know, very low funding of resources, particularly like, you know, rural areas. Um, it is, uh, can be quite challenging, but in general, uh, the government has you know fun is 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 quite proactive in the way in which it funds teaching mm -hmm. um and even in terms of pay like uh it there's another thing that I've often heard and I heard about it actually on Arhat I remember Randy Bailey from Gabon. yeah he uh -huh. said that he, he became a substitute teacher and he actually hadn't ever gone to teacher college or anything like that or gone to university mm. college and I was like, is that possible? Like, here, <laughs> like, and I was like, is that an American thing? But like, and if there are any teachers out there, I would love, I honestly, I've always been so curious because in Australia, you have to jump through a ridiculous amount of hoops and many, many years of study before they will even let you anywhere near a child. So yeah, for good reason. Wanted, yeah, no, of course. But I've always wondered, is that the case? And I know this is another really terrible reference point. Please. But like, I remember watching Girls, the TV show Girls with <laughs> Lena Dunham. And then like in one season, all of a sudden, she was like a substitute teacher. And it's like, you, wait, you didn't go to college? like So I, I don't know. Is that, 
not that like college is everything, but like some sort of formal training on how to kind of impart information. So do you have any yeah. info on that? But, well, so. okay, here's what I can give you. So number one, I did not realize that maybe I, th- and I'm sure I heard it uh, whenever he mentioned it and didn't Randy, say it, but, yeah. like, it's not, but, and you know, I don't like people. One thing I'm always quick to acknowledge is like, there are characters. People do play yeah. characters, yeah. not only yeah. on TV, but on social media Podcasts, and the like, yeah, but also yeah. I just wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have guessed it. I wouldn't no, have guessed that, it. But well, this is I, why it's stuck in my head. Yeah. Well, and I mean, also like maybe Randy wouldn't have guessed it either. Maybe that's not, you know, and, and I do think that we have an issue. Number one, and now I'm kind of speaking on my ass a little bit, but I do believe actually at, at this point in terms of like labor shortages, there is a pretty big problem, but there is definitely a teacher shortage at this yeah. point um, just because of the conditions that teachers have to work through. Um, the supplies thing is definitely very common with teachers having to pay for their supplies. And of course, there are examples where they don't have to pay for them, of course, but yeah. that should be like commonplace everywhere. Sure. And then, you know, it's it's interesting because I remember growing up, like when we had substitutes for the classes that I was in, I couldn't tell you like what they kind of what their backgrounds were, but we would have consistent substitutes. Like there'd be people who you'd they'd come back year after year as substitute. I don't know what their lives were yeah. otherwise, but yeah, it's um I, I just feel like we don't the our education system here is such a wreck for teachers, for students, for and it's like, I mean, that's part of the reason why my parents were when I was a kid were like, oh yeah, let's send our kids to the Catholic, the private Catholic yeah. schools, because yeah. you know they'll maybe they could do something better than the public schools. Which I mean, there are some places, obviously, where the schools are better than others. But yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Even out like there. the like you know school shoot. You know. Oh again, yeah. I, I I don't want to speak on American culture without having like enough kind of of reference point. But no, it's you know fair. the school shooting. We, we we hear about it on the news here, and it's kind of. Because uh, yeah. my wife is a teacher too. A lot of our friends are teachers. Oh no one else in our families are teachers. But like, yeah. you know, but we didn't come from teaching families. We just right. were. We became teachers, and we often talk about it. And it's just like I couldn't imagine going in every day with the fear of what some people carry with them when they're trying yeah. to do their job, trying to kind of connect with kids and teach kids. And other kids going there to learn. It's just it seems like a like a like a, an impossible, an almost impossible yeah. burden. So my thoughts are with. Everyone who, like every Ameri- like teacher, and I know there's people beyond America who listen to this podcast, but yeah, my thoughts are with like working in those conditions when, like, you know, it is a vocation, it's a calling, it's something that like yeah. you do because you are, you, you believe in what you're doing, and you want to kind of inspire people, and you want to pe- people to learn, and it's mm-hmm. just a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to contend with. Yeah, it really is, and it's um, it's interesting because sometimes I think we like the narrative that I'll see around teachers uh, beyond the issues that teachers face, or even, you know, in response to the issues that they face is teachers are superheroes. Like, or, and you've, I, I feel like I've heard this with moms in particular too, which is like, moms yeah. are superheroes. They could do everything. Well, it's like, don't, pile everything onto them so that they have to do everything like they don't they shouldn't have to be superheroes they should be able to show up focus on learning yeah not yeah. on you know the safety of their students and it's yeah. it's sad because it does um it's it's yeah just like people don't sign up to deal with that and yeah. um i appreciate any teachers that do but also um 
yeah, it's just rough. It's not the same. I wish the teaching profession in the US were actually about teaching is, yeah. is like what it kind of comes down to. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I'm curious, like, even beyond the teaching, the teaching conversation, just... Um, you know, you talked about what you just always wanted to be a teacher growing up. And again, in the Taryn show, you give you paint a little bit of a picture of how you grew up. But I think one thing that's interesting to me in talking to people, especially like young, young people, like you were in your later late 20s at the time when you did that Taryn show interview and had that conversation. Now things that was 2017. Mm-hmm. Now we're in 2023. I'm curious, how has life evolved over yeah. these last, uh, let me call it six years? So life has changed a lot. So 2017 was the year I got married. I think I'd just uh, gotten married earlier in that year. Um, so I played Survivor for the first time in 2016, got married in 2017 to my wife, Christine. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did a little bit of travel because we wanted to kind of settle down and you know start a family, bought a house, um, and we had our first child. Uh, so we've had we had our, my my daughter Paloma in mm-hmm. 2018, um, and that was just honestly the I always wanted to be a parent. It was just the most amazing thing that it ever happened to me. It sounds cliche, I don't care. It is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, mm. And then um, that I thought that I'd put Survivor behind me. Like I was like, I'd had this amazing experience and then it kind of yeah. had, kind of evolved into kind of like m- way more than I could have ever anticipated. Like, you know, being mm-hmm. the first season and all the buzz around it and kind of being one of the kind of like bigger characters, not best players, people out there. I did not say I'm one <laughs> of the best players. One of the bigger characters, like, you know, then got got the podcast and then was able to kind of like all the things that happened from that and, and I was just like happy with it being this kind of little thing that I was just kind of to talk about when I wanted to, but then kind of continue my own life. And then just out of the blue one day, I got the call to play again. 
which, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you anticipate, but you never know if the show's going to be a success. Like the show, the second yeah. season did not rate that well, even though it was amazing. Um, mm. So you just kind of be like, okay, then you just get this call out of the blue one one day, then you're playing Survivor again, you're back in Fiji. And at the time we were renovating our house, completely gutted. It was like an absolute nightmare. Wow. Uh, my my daughter had, she was in double casts in her legs because she was born with crooked feet so i had wow. a baby in double casts a house with no roof <laughs> as, as this eight month old baby that didn't sleep and oh i had this you know job that i was like trying and trying and trying to kind of get to the next level because you know I, 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 there was more i wanted to do and all of a sudden they were yeah. just like you're going to fiji so <laughs> like that kind of upended everything um, yeah. had an amazing experience playing survivor for the second time obviously it didn't work out as I wanted it to because, you know, it does for so few people. Right. But, you know, again, the, the, the stuff that was able to kind of spiral out of that, like I've had opportunities, you know, that I never anticipated. Um, uh, I was able, the, the Channel 10 then asked me to go on location for a, a later season and film kind of like online segments for, you know, interviewed the host and this stuff that I just never anticipated. So in amongst all that, had another kid, had a second uh-huh. kid. Um, Atticus, my son was born, um, and now we've got a third kid on the way. So mm-hmm. since then, my life has changed dramatically. I've got three now children. Um, I am uh-huh. love. I love being a dad, but I'm also a two-time Survivor player, and that also brings me a lot of pride. Um, but you know, there's been some heartache along the way, and um, you know, it's just been everything that I've done has been a real reminder of how lucky I am to have been able to do a crazy life experience not only once but to do it twice. And I think one, I don't know whether I mentioned this on the Taryn show, but there's something that I often tell my students is before I played Survivor the first time, um, I had uh, my ex-girlfriend was really into bucket lists. I don't know if I I mentioned this. She was really into bucket lists. And um, she said to me once, like, um, we should, you should write a bucket list. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And she was like, why? And I'd never inter- interrogated why I didn't want to do it, but I, I started thinking and I was like, well, if I could never get my number one goal, which is to play Survivor because Australia doesn't have Survivor, then I never right. want to put it, create a bucket list because it will be annoying that I never get to do it. Well, lo and behold, mm-hmm. Survivor comes along, I get to play Survivor, and then I came back from Survivor and going, oh, now that now you actually need to plan <laughs> some goals, bro. Like you actually need to think about it. There's things you, you, you want right. to do. And it just kind of opened up this idea that, like, I can do whatever I want to do if I try hard enough. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I was like, I wanted to be a dad. You know, I wanted to kind of focus all my energy on that. And now I want to be an author and I'm just going to be focusing all my energy in that. And it's just like, yeah, like my life has changed a lot, a lot since we, since people would have last heard about it. Yeah. There's, Sorry, there's that, was the- lot, that was a lot. No. That no, that's what I asked for. That's exactly what I asked for. Because there's a lot that we're going to get into like 99% of it, basically. Mm. Because the first thing I want to kind of touch on, just starting with Survivor, you know, obviously every, you know, hopefully, well, I was going to say everyone knows. But, you know, those who know you and are aware of you know, um, even just by the fact that you're 
here in this pod friends conversation, the fact that you've appeared on RHAP and there's talking tribal and everything mm-hmm. else that you've kind of popped up in. Like people know how much of a fan of the show that you were, yeah. even of US Survivor, of course, before yeah. you were on the first season of Survivor Australia. And then, you know, how much of a fan of the show you continue to be as you continue to cover it. Um, and something I think is really interesting is like the uh, not only well, not only with Survivor, but with all of these shows, when I talk to people, like the mental impact that it has yeah. on people, essentially. And Definitely. I'm curious, like, what that's looked like for you as someone who chose to do it again, obviously. Yeah. choose you, know, you stay involved with the community. But um, I, I ask this because I feel like at times people people who want to be on the show and have that as one of their bucket list items, like we don't necessarily think about the mental, like, Oh my gosh, that was like an exhausting or whatever the experience is. So I'm curious, like what that's looked like for you. Well, I think that first of all, like, you know, people, you know, the impact of these shows on the people like us that love them is Mm -hmm. a very valid, if you're ever out there and you've been embarrassed to talk about the shows (laughs) that you love, forget that. Forget that. If it's important to you, it should be important to the people who love you. And I mm-hmm. say this to my students all the time, like I unashamedly love this show and I loved it before I played it. I loved it during, I'm loving it after, and I always will love yeah. it. And if that's embarrassing to you, then that is your problem. That is your problem. Mm-hmm. Like, and, 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 and by showing that excitement for something which other people deem maybe left of center, hopefully yeah. my students can then go, well, do you know what? The fact that I like lawn bowls and no one else plays lawn bowls, maybe mm-hmm. that is cool and different. So I, I think it's important that when we're talking about these shows that we love, like first of all, we acknowledge that like we love them because they have had a big impact on us. And we mm-hmm. have to we have to honor that. It shouldn't be our guilty little secret. Like how many times like I also love the real housewives, right? Like I love that. Yeah. Show, right. Uh-huh. And like and and people say like, oh, it's my guilty little secret. Why should it be a guilty little secret? Like, it's such a funny show. Like, yeah. and if that's too much for people to handle, then they're not your people. They're not mm-hmm. your people. Go find new people. And that's why Rob as a podcast and the podcast community has been so amazing for me because it gets yeah. you, you get to scratch that itch that you either sometimes are embarrassed to talk about in real life or scared to, or maybe there's no one who actually understands it. So. That's, I guess, that, I just wanted to take a little segue there for anyone else out there who's like listening. He's like, oh, I love this show, but like, oh, I don't talk to anyone in yeah. real life about it because I'm scared. Forget that. Forget that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, that's just, that's, I just wanted to say that. But um, in terms of like the impact of, of, of playing, like, like I said, like it opened up so many doors to me that I never would have anticipated, but it also made me realize that like there is much more out there for me to kind of do beyond what I have always thought I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it does kind of shine a light on who you are, you know, in a yeah. way that can be unflattering, but, but also in a way that can be like super flattering. And it's very difficult to navigate that sometimes. And I think you have to, re- and my advice to anyone who wants to go on reality TV or just put themselves in the public eye is that you have to really have your head screwed on because it can it can kind of like twist you around. like. You know, you can have thousands of people flooding your DMs saying, yes, the best, oh, my God. But then you can also have thousands of people who are being like, you know, I hope you die and all this kind of crazy yeah. stuff. And it's it's hard because 
you know, I, I tell this to people who say they're going out to play all the time, that if you invest in the good stuff, you feel like you have to invest in the bad stuff because, like, mm-hmm. well, how can mm-hmm. you shut off some, you know. So I often tell people that, like, I, I very much appreciate those comments and I love when people kind of, like, impact, you know, the, that my time on the show had an impact on them or that they perhaps saw myself in in themselves. But you have to also recognise that, like, that's not what the purpose of the experience is. Like if you're going on reality TV because you want people to stand you on Twitter, that is a very unhealthy direction to take. And you should not go on Twitter. You should not go on the show because Mm -hmm. it's the quickest way to have your heart broken. And it's also really, really unhealthy because, you know, to go back to Real Housewives, sometimes one season is like they're the most famous, everyone loves them. And then the next season they're the, they're the heel, they're the villain. And, and, yeah. and that, that can be a very jarring experience for people, particularly people who play twice, who have a really positive experience the first time and then the second time it doesn't stack up. So I just feel like if people are getting into these shows, like recognize the positive impact that it can have on you to drive you to want to do them, but also recognizing that like it will have an impact on you when you come back and you need to make sure that your priorities are aligned, that no matter what happens, you will feel happy in what you did. And the other Mm -hmm. piece of advice I give people is before you go play Survivor, if you are lucky enough to do one of these things, is to write yourself a letter Mm. that you will read if you're the first person voted out Uh and write yourself a letter if you are the fifth, the tenth. I did it in increments of five. You just missed out on the jury. You made the score. You made it to final five. You made it to final tribal council and didn't win, or you won. Write yourself those letters, and I did that both times. Uh, wow. yeah. So that no matter where I came, when I came out, I would be having that gratitude of, "Oh my god, you're a two-time Survivor player. You only played three days the second time, but you should be so <laughs> proud of yourself." And like, right. you know, like I, I, I wanted to kind of. I knew that it would have an impact on me if I wasn't prepared. And um, I think that people need to recognize that these shows, while they are fun, they can have a pretty detrimental effect. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, again, it's another long answer. No, no, that's the point. That's what we're <laughs> here for. I'm all about it. Cause and I, I love to I, I love that you you talked through all that because the I don't know, the reality of it is that you do really need to be prepared for these things. And I think that there's actually, you know probably something that you could transfer even if the people listening are not interested necessarily in being on these shows. And I think the beauty, the beauty of Rob as a podcast is like, there are a lot of people who are listening who are definitely interested in doing it and who even some who might even do it and, and be out there um, on survivor and, or on any reality show in some kind of way. But I think the idea of preparing yourself and really number one, um, like fortifying your relationship with feedback and That's kind of figuring really out like, put it, yeah. how do I balance like the good feedback and the good news with the negative is, is something that's really um, challenging, I think, because it can be really addictive to get those likes and the retweets and the positive comments and the love. But then, you know, when you get that comment, that's really crushing. And a lot of people have talked about that from the podcaster perspective from the reality TV person perspective, like it does a number on them. So, Mm. I mean, I think just really grounding yourself in like why you are there, why you are amazing. Like as it is, is probably a pretty good thing to, 
pretty good thing to to do you know yeah and just but just yeah just recognizing that like it is so fun to and you can apply that to anything like any a new totally. job a new a new relationship like going in kind of like like i think that like people say like the secret to happiness is low expectations but i, I don't know if I don't know if I agree with low, you, know, you, you don't want low expectations of yourself, but it's mm-hmm. about recognizing that like, if you have high expectations and you fall short of those, like that's still yeah. you striving for that high expectation. So like right. you know, going into a relationship, you don't want it to fail. You don't expect it to fail. Like otherwise you probably shouldn't be in it in the first place, but like no. you know, recognizing that if it does fail, like that's okay. Like, was the reason. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like, you know, in the last six, seven years, whatever it's been, no, Three, six yeah. years. I feel like I've grown a lot and learned a lot about myself, and I'm really mm-hmm. um, grateful. Like I think that's one of the yeah. things. I guess I, I guess yeah, gratitude is one of the things that I want my ch- children to know the most. Like, and I tell Paloma all the time, like you have to be thankful. You have to you have to always mm-hmm. say thank you. You always have to show gratitude. Like well, as soon as she leaves my grand my my dad my dad's house when he's looking after her. I want you to say thank you. And one thing you liked that you really enjoyed doing. Mm. Gratitude is so big, big for me. Um, And you have to be, yeah, I think it's important to be grateful for these experiences, but also like knowing that like, if they don't work out, like your life is still okay. That's deep. I love it. And I think that um, it's interesting because the gratitude goes such a long way. Um, The other thing I think is important is just, developing a you know i i definitely think i'm i'm working on this too but developing a practice of like just learning to focus on the gratitude or spend time and sit with what you're grateful for because there's so much that could be stressful that could kind of suck your energy rather than than um you know appreciating the the positives and all of that um but you know I guess like the the other piece of this that's like really interesting to me. You mentioned Paloma, you mentioned being a dad. Uh and I am curious what that has been like because I really feel like in uh in definitely in the first obviously in the first uh survivor Australia, like you were you were definitely not like the dad, you know, I don't no. know if there's like a dad archetype in sorry, but you were not Dad, no, it was not was giving not. dad energy. It was not giving um, dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not giving dad. Uh, so I want to, I want to ask. Uh, you have been a zaddy, though, by the way, right? <laughs> yeah, first yeah. Australian in the zaddy calendar. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say shout to Bryce here in Philadelphia. Um, but no, I want to, I want to, like, what has that um, been like? I, it's, it's funny because, like, as someone who's not a dad, I've had so many conversations with dads or yeah. moms and parents yeah. parents on here and i just always think it's interesting i know people love to hear um about that ex- <laughs> that experience but yeah like what was that like becoming a dad and what has that been like with two and one on the way mm. it's a lot it's a lot yeah. it's the hardest thing you ever do but it's the best thing you'll ever do it's mm. it's there's there's something about it that just kind of like reorganizes the chemistry in your heart. Like it just mm. it just it just really reshuffles things around and the priorities shift. I'm a big believer in like when you become a parent, like that should not be your complete identity. I always make sure that I'm like pursuing my own 
interests. I don't, mm-hmm. I want my children to see me as a fully realized human with my own goals. Um, yeah. and that goes for also like time for me and my wife to kind of like be ourselves outside of being parents, but it is all encompassing. And it does like going out to play the second time was very difficult. I made a conscious decision to kind of like try to combat that sneaky Nick archetype, that snake yeah. from season one. I tried to be the goofy dad and I was like very, I was like, I'm going to be goofy, goofy dad, Nick. And, and right. without realizing it uh, within a day, I was like, I don't need to put this on. Like, this is just me. Like I was born to be goofy dad, mm. Nick. Like this is yeah. what like, I, I like just, it's such a natural speed for me. Like just being a mm-hmm. doofus who like, uh, falls over and hurts themselves on purpose to make their kid laugh. Like, I like, this is just the kind of stuff that like, you know, like oh, wear, wear a funny hat to the shops just to make her laugh. Like just silly mm-hmm. things like that. Like that's just my speed. And it really did present. I presented much very differently the second time I played survivor. And for those kind of, you know, quote unquote strangers, there was yeah. much more social capital the second time because I was, People just inherently trust parent parents, and like they, yeah. they 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 want to kind of like feel that connection, that kind of more human connection, as opposed to this kind of cutthroat game bot that I was trying to be the first time. Mm-hmm. It's it's the best, and and being a parent is something that I do not take lightly because I feel like I had really good role models growing up with my parents. So another big thing that I have been working on for the last five years is I have created a yeah. documentary, yeah, about mm-hmm. my parents' life. I don't know if you saw it on my Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I made a documentary about my family's history and my parents' lives. Um, it took five years to put together, and I put that together because I had become a parent. And like mm-hmm. I said, it reorganizes that chemistry. And I always cared about where I'd come from. I always cared about my parents. But I thought, oh, hold on a second. I've just created a human being with my wife. We are now creating a legacy. And I want my children to know where that legacy actually stems from. And it yeah. took a lot of work. And it, But it's something that I'm so, 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 so proud of. It's this two and a half hour kind of like sprawling kind of documentary that charts life in Italy all the way to Adelaide and everything in between life, death. Um, and, um, I did that because I became a parent and I watch it back and I feel grateful and I want Mm -hmm. my children to be grateful. I want Atticus one day, if he never gets to know his grandfather, you know, as an adult or like I never got to know my mother as an adult. Yeah. Uh, If something was to happen to me or to my wife, I want my, you know, I want my children to know where they came from. So yeah, yeah, that's a, it's been a huge, that has been a huge thing that I've been working on the last five years. Oh, the relief, Matt, Matt, the relief when I finished it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I love this. I love it so much. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm in awe of you um, for so many reasons, but That's like specifically. The the life they made documentary is yeah. the thing for me where I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is Nick and I are the same person in so many ways. <laughs> yes. Um, for me, it's like just to kind of dive into that. So I my dad passed away in 2017, actually March 8th, 2017, which will basically be like six years yeah. from when this will be published, essentially, which is always like very interesting that like the start yeah. of the survivor season, cause this is mostly in the yeah, survivor yeah, off yeah. season for us wise, um, that it aligns with that, uh, that grief anniversary. And I, like, oh. it's, um, but I'm it's so always powerful. That, I'm so sorry well, to hear that. And, and I appreciate that. And I'm, and I'm sorry to hear about your loss too. And, but also it's like great to talk with you because there is like grief is definitely a journey and something I want to get into mm. what that looks like. But I love, like, I do love, actually, I don't want to understate like how difficult it is, like losing a parent, whether it's your mom yeah. or my dad. Um, and then you kind of like, ha- you know, have your relationship with the parent who's still around and you yeah. kind of, you're, you're the way that you see the world is reframed is um, notable, but then also like there are these like, I don't know, beautiful. I'll say this for you, especially like there are beautiful aspects of kind of how you show up that I'm sure are influenced by not only your mom's life, but also that loss. And I, I mean, yes, for me, definitely. I would say the, say the same thing. And I think the thing I love about the documentary or you like making that and putting that out there, and I need to watch, like, I need, I need Nick, I need to get my hands on the full two sure. and a half hours. I've only I seen will. the trailer. <laughs> I will send you the link. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad you want to watch it. That's really kind. Yeah. No, I need I need to watch it. I need to watch it. And I feel like the the piece that jumps out to me is that, you know, I interview people and actually the very first person that I interviewed back in 2015, October 2015, was my dad, coincidentally, about his life and his story. And it was recorded and it was like the I think I could say it was the shittiest uh, like garage band on my computer. <laughs> you hear me like tapping and making noise. Like, whatever it is, is what it is. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing, like having that 40, let, let me call it 44 minutes or it's oh, something man. like that. Very specific. But having that recording oh. is so powerful and being able to like look at what you do and it's like merging the photos and like the story yeah. and your reflections and everything else together. Like, I think that it's really hard. Ooh, this means so much to me. Cause it's like, it's, it's really hard to get people to understand how much this shit matters, how much yeah. it matters. Um, and you, you know, there's the corny ass phrase, but like, you don't know what you've got until it's gone um, is really the reality of it. And so I just want to no, appreciate you, you for all thank of this. You. It's awesome. Thank you. And thanks for sharing yeah. that. And like, I'm so yeah. sorry for your loss, but you're right. Right. You're so right. Yeah. Like, it is corny, but it's true. 
And mm-hmm. another reason why I made that video was because I want my family and friends. So, so what we did, um, I hired, hired out at the, the school that I work at has like a big theater. Mm-hmm. We hired, I, I got everyone, all my family and friends, about 150, 200 people yeah. sat down and we watched it together. And the energy uh, wow. and the, the energy in that room, the laughter, the just weeping, uncontrollable weeping was so powerful. But I wanted my family to see that like who we have left is so mm-hmm. important. Like it's so important. Like I went through this year of loss. Um, so in 2010, I lost my mother. I lost yeah. my grandfather. Uh, shortly after I lost my uncle and then I lost mm. my grandmother and then right. my other grandmother went into a nursing home and mm-hmm. all my sisters moved to Melbourne and to England and all of a sudden this family of nine people yeah. living in this kind of house went to two. Right. And right. it was just this profound, profound loss in my life that I just was so rocked by, and it was yeah. the same year that I became a teacher, so my whole life upended. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just, I just kind of, I mourned, I mourned not just those individual losses, mostly my mother, obviously, but like I just, mm-hmm. I, I mourned all the things that my life used to be, and yeah. making the video was my way of kind of reclaiming that. Like there's a section on like, um, you know, our family home and like how it was this epicenter of this huge Italian community. And there was, there's another section on my, where my, how my mom and dad met and the cuteness of that whole situation. And I want my family and I wanted the people who were left behind to see that and go, wow, like this shit matters like this. Mm -hmm. And who who I'm sitting next to in this room, t- bawling my eyes out, we matter. Like this yeah. bond will never be broken. And if we do break it, that's on us. Like that is on us. Yeah. Like because even in death, like I what I was trying to do was also bring my mother's memory to the forefront because mm-hmm. as you know, it was actually last week that it was 13 years since we've lost her. Wow. Um, it's amazing how over the time you just settle into these rhythms where you just don't talk about the people that you lose. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that one of the great things I read is this about, you know, how you have to speak them back into existence. Like you have Mm -hmm. that power, you have that control to speak about your father and make him part of your every day and make him part of other people's every day. And it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and it's awkward at first. And it's really, really hard because, you know, I remember an example, like, again, I don't know why I'm referencing my ex-girlfriend so much, but that same ex-girlfriend, um, <laughs> yeah. it was my birthday one day and she made me, unbeknownst to her, she made me a pavlova, which is an Italian, uh, sorry, an Australian cake, which is, uh-huh. which was my mum's signature dish and she didn't realise. And I just couldn't eat. I was so upset when wow. she came to my birthday and I, she was then really upset and also angry as why I was being weird. Yeah. But I couldn't even verbalize to her why that was so important to me. And that was because it was had been six months. Like it was so, so raw. Like, well, not six months, mm-hmm. it year. It was well, so raw. Still, whereas now yeah. I'm trying to practice every day of kind of like bringing that to the forefront and speaking about it. And, you know, I, I took Paloma to the cemetery the other day and I just said, you know, Nunu would, would have loved you because of this, this, and this. And she, she uh. did this and that. and and I always try and get Paloma to speak about her and I point to her photo and kind of, but it's hard, man. Like that's hard stuff. It's hard stuff. Going yeah. making that documentary 
was one of the trickiest things I've ever done because there were days, like I said, it took me five years. It took me five yeah. years and there were days where I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore because I would be like a wreck. I'd be a wreck. Yeah. I'd just have hundreds of photos around me, looking over old footage, listening to my mum's voice, looking at all these happy times, seeing me as a baby. And it just, it nearly broke me, but I'm so glad I pushed through and had the resilience to kind of keep going. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I, I just, but it was for my kids. It was for my kids. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like the other piece of it too, and it's hard to appreciate when you don't actually go to the lengths of making that, uh, like making what you made in terms of the documentary, but it's like, it, it's, uh, I might say that, I would imagine that it might be a lot harder to never do that, to never dive in. Like one thing that I always, one thing that I kind of learned and I'm always so thankful for this. And I'll mention this as we talk about grief that like, um, like immediately. So my dad passed in March, 2017 by the end of that month. And actually, cause he had a rare form of leukemia um, and it hit like, it was really quick cancer sucks as we know. Um, But it's like, it was um, by the end of that month that I was in a grief group, like, and I'm so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Like just being able to be around people and yeah. um, working through it. And like, as I had the confusion of my own experience, being able to actually see others helped me a lot because yeah. then I was able to kind of place myself in like, what's going on? What am I feeling? What's normal? What's not normal. And like, one thing I will say, as we talk about all this is just like, there's not um, people talk about, People have talked about like the five stages and there's a process and there's an Mm -hmm. end to grief, but it's like, um, and I remember like a while ago, um, I I love whenever I see people post this because I love this idea. And I think I've seen you post this before, but it's like grief is the price that we pay for love. Essentially is like the idea that comes up and it's not something that ends and it's not something we need to squash and bury like it's there. And it's, it's actually really beautiful, which is like the thing that I, Love. So I like back to our conversation about men and boys and teaching yeah, all by yeah. boys school. Like I hope that the boys that you teach could like feel comfortable being emotional humans because like yeah. humans are emotional. Like that's what it takes. That's what who well, we are. Speaking of that, like the I've had you know some of the kids I've taught for many years, uh, and mm-hmm. they knew that I've been working on this project, and they are they ask me all the time, "Can we watch this movie? Can we watch this movie?" and I had to kind of like get myself prepared. Am I going to show my students, you know, even snippets of this highly personal thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I like just last week, I just think I've, I think I've made peace with that and I'm going to show the ones who are interested and who are, who have uh, experienced loss. I'm going to show them those sections and we're going to have a good conversation about resilience because uh-huh. uh, it, uh, like, you know, you say, you were talking about how, like how long it's been for yeah. you. I, I, there's no way I could have even embarked on this project at the stage that you're even you're still at. Like that's, that yeah. was, that's too, that was too hard. Like it took me the seven, eight years or so before I could even begin. And mm-hmm. I began with a dipping a like a toe in, in the, th- in the water and kind of like letting it warm up and then, because it's it's still so raw, and that there are days. Yeah. So, like I said, it was my the anniversary of my mum's passing uh, mm-hmm. on the eight on the eighteenth of February. Uh, so it was on the eighteenth, and I was fine. Like I was like, I'm feeling good. Christine was like, Are you okay with everything that's coming up? And I said, Yeah, no, I'm fine. And I started the day really good, 
and then within a couple of hours I was I was like bedridden. Like I was no. it just gets you like it just it just hits you like when you don't expect it. Like I know it was you expect it on the day, but I was like, no, I'm actually feeling really good. Like we'll, I'll take the kids to the park and then we'll go to the swimming and blah 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 blah. And I was but just within an hour I was gone. I was like, no. Mm. And it it sneaks you and it gets you and you can't and, and but do you know how I got out of it? I actually watched the movie from start to finish. Wow. And this thing that had been this arduous, amazing project that was fun but, like, so mm-hmm. hard was the thing that actually then helped me get out of that hard spot the other day. And I, and I, felt, and I, was, and I felt really good. I was laughing along at the, the movie, the funny things that, you know, was said. I cried at the end and, and then I yeah. got out of bed and I took the kids to the park and it was great. But it's, it, it get like. I I'm, I've luckily haven't had, you know, other than kind of dealing with kind of immense grief, I haven't had mm-hmm. too many mental health struggles. But um, one of the things that I didn't expect was at the birth of my son, I was not okay. Like I was, yeah. it, I don't want to overstate it, but at the birth yeah. I was fine, but I took this little boy home and I don't know whether it was because my first child was a girl and I was so, and it was my first child and I was so wrapped up in this. I was this beautiful little thing and it was, she was so cute. It was amazing. It was this happy experience. But if I had time to simmer, but I just, every time I held my son, I imagined my mum holding me as a little mm. boy, yeah. even though my son does not look like me at all. <laughs> if, anyone's, <laughs> if anyone's seen what my son looks like, he's Adorable. this little blonde, blue-eyed, <laughs> does not look Italian. Like he's just... Yeah, but I, I would hold him. I would right. hold him. And I just was like all I could think of was my mum holding me. And I uh-huh. actually have this this rocking chair in, in Atticus's room, which was my mum's. It was like a little heirloom that I was kind of passed down to me. And I would sit and I still do. I sit in this rocking chair and I hold him. And it's just, it just hits me that it's like this was my mum holding me. And mm-hmm. it just sneaks up on you and it gets you. Yeah. It just, yeah. There's no point to this story other than to say that it just kind of, it's, yeah, it just kind of got me. And yeah. I never, never anticipated that it would just, when, when it comes for you, in moments of pure happiness, it comes for you. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like, it's interesting because, at least to me, it's interesting because I'm, you know, I found that I'm thankful for the moments where it, like, in retrospect, I'm thankful for the moments where it, does like really get me not in terms of like the because for me like the start of the year like this first few months january to march especially there's like it's just like there's a weight to it and the weather's not as nice and something that i actually learned a lot about in um just in grief group and stuff like that was just about how your body does remember these things or on the day of like on a grief anniversary Mm. you'll really feel it um or around that time you'll really feel it and you know there's there's um a lot to be said for that but i i also just kind of back to what i was saying i found that i'm really grateful for the moments where i am able to access that emotion because like again like there's so many distractions from grief and then you think like oh it's been you know 13 years like am I 
is am I allowed to grieve still? Or I, you know, I remember some conversations with people, and I'm so thankful that um how old I was like 24, I think, when my dad passed, right? Okay. I'm so thankful though that I could be one of the first people I know to have a loss like that. Um, and even like, you know, even looking at you similarly, like young um, with that loss, it's like you're able to help other people like understand what grief should look like or what the process could look like and how it's not like it ends. And you no longer talk about this yeah, person yeah. and you're, you're like, you're not annoying people by your, by um, bringing it up. And also like the other thing I think that I've come to appreciate more than anything is like, yeah, you're like you're 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 not gonna forget about your your mom. It's not like oh yeah, that's old news. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you, people, we still remember these things and think about them. It's just like, what do we feel like we have permission to talk about? That's um, a good point. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing I guess I appreciate. It's like when those come up, when these conversations come up. Like I don't know, it's it's awesome. I, I had a friend actually, a, a coworker, at one point, a couple years um, before, like I lost my dad. She lost her dad, and. I messaged her a bunch after that fact, after I lost mine, where I was like, thank you so much for posting about him still to this day. She does. Yeah. That's permission for me to do the same thing. And I I think you, you sharing what you share is like great permission for others to also like tap into that. So you're a role model, Nick. I don't know about that, but thank you. It's, (laughs) It's, I think we're in the, in this space, everyone just muddles through and, and whatever. And if, and I don't want to stand here and be like, the way to overcome your grief is to make a five-year movie. No, I'm not saying that. No. Everyone's <laughs> grief has to be what you, right. working through it is like the way you have to work through it. And for me, uh-huh. I had arrived at a point where it that it needed to be done. I needed to kind of like expunge those kind of um, mm-hmm. that feeling. I needed to put it on paper in a construct in, on, on film in a constructive way. Yeah, and I needed it to be become like a tool that will keep my family's legacy alive but one of the things that you know you said reminded me of this that about the your grief actually shifts like i would i i initially spent the first you know decade mourning the loss of Mm -hmm. what i had right so it was mourning oh you know i won't get the hug again i don't get to do this i don't get to do that and then as my life shifted and i started having children and i got older and i had my own home and I, you know, my career had settled in and I then started to mourn what I would never get. Exactly. And the, 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 the grief kind of flipped on its head in a new way. And then all of a sudden you're 10 years in and you're having to grapple with entirely new emotions. And mm-hmm. there was, there was a, uh, a book I read uh, last year. I posted about it. I do like a, the top 10 books I read in a year. And there was a yep. book called, a graphic novel called in um uh-huh. and it it was amazing as funny as but um there was this great line where he says i was going to know her and it was so simple to me because it was like he this protagonist is mourning the loss i think it's of his of his mother and mm-hmm. he said yeah it was his mother and he says but I, but, but I was going to know her. Like I was going to get to a point where I would know her as an adult and we would have an adult relationship. And I never got yeah. to that because my mum was diagnosed with cancer when I was 16 and mm-hmm. for, you know, five years it was just this constant running on this treadmill of life interrupted by all these crazy things. 
And then okay. even though I made it to 21 with my mom, I never knew her as an adult. We were right. never. Uh, we, so, so then now what I do is I'm, I'm mourning that loss and I'm mourning that loss for my children that they don't have mm-hmm. a grandmother. So, so yeah, yeah, that's. And I wanted to ask you because I actually came across yes, there's a fantastic, if anyone is thinking about this stuff and dealing with these issues, there is a great podcast. But do you know Anderson Cooper? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, there is a fantastic podcast that he's done called Oh, about his mom. Yeah, all there is. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't heard of it. And I'm gonna look oh it up. Oh my too. god, Matt, Matt. It's unreal. All there is. It's unreal. Oh my I cannot recommend it enough. His mother was Gloria Vanderbilt, who was a famous, yeah. you know, socialite and jeans mm-hmm. and you know, artist and writer. Uh-huh. And, um, and he's, he's basically like sorting through her old apartment and kind of like, um, um she's written notes to him that he finds and it's start dealing with the suicide of his brother. And he interviews other famous people dealing uh-huh. with grief and it's been so amazing and so helpful. So if anyone else is out there wants to listen, I highly recommend it, but there's this episode on anticipatory, anticipatory grief. Yeah, and I've never heard of that. Had you heard of that before? Yeah, I'd heard of it. Um, and yeah, it, it, and if you, yeah, go it, keep going because I feel like this, like that's something. I, I like what you're about to touch on because often people think grief is a certain thing and fits into a certain box. They don't realize what they're feeling is actually grief, but anticipatory grief is like maybe for me, like the number one example of this, but yeah, keep, keep going. Nick. Well, yeah. Well, you're smarter than me because I'd never heard of it before. I had felt it, but there's an uh-huh. episode in this podcast where they talk about anticipatory grief and it's, you know, it's in the name, but it's this idea that like before you've lost someone, your body and your mind kind of like already starting the grieving process before you've actually lost them. Mm-hmm. And, and that was um, revelatory to me because four, five, six, five years, five years, yeah, I was in a state of anticipatory grief because it just yeah. seemed so obvious what was about to happen. And obviously we were lucky we had five years, but it just was just so clear to me what was going to, going to happen. And then you yeah. kind of like have all these really kind of confusing feelings that come up with it that it's like, well, now I'm wishing them dead. Like, and then, I, you know, mm-hmm. I had this crisis. I remember I went away with my friends one night and we were all drinking and, and I just had this like absolute crisis where I was like, am I wishing this on, on my mom? Like, because I'm so convinced that she's going to die. And then, and then I was like, oh my God, I'm a bad person. Like, because I'm, mm. tr- I'm willing it into existence. Yeah. And it took my friend t- uh, finally verbalizing that to my friends for them to turn around and say, no, Nick, that is you know, like, stop being like, stop saying that. That is not true. But right. it just kind of like messes with your head a little bit because you're just like, you're it, it, like, it, you, you are preempting yeah. the trauma. You're preempting the trauma. Yeah. And it's, it's rough because I can't, it's, um, I mentioned my, the grief group I was in and what was interesting is like so many different people passed through there at different points. And I was, I was in it for like a good long while. And 
different people have different experiences that lead to the loss. For some people, it's like a sudden death. And mm. even just peeking at the, um, at the all there is podcast with Anderson Cooper, I'm already seeing like sudden death is like one thing that comes up and is talked about in different people's yeah. stories. Um, but then there's also like the long term where you see it coming. And, and then there's like experiences like mine where it was maybe six weeks or so five weeks that my dad was in the hospital sick like where things were going downhill and I remember how I felt at that point within that month and a half or so and um you know like the weight of that is so hard to describe because I remember like socially interacting with so many people and vivid interactions where I would just I was not me but also I had not lost my dad at that point Mm. either. So I was like very much like it was in the background, but I'm like, if I just kind of ignore it, like maybe it'll go, maybe he'll be better. You know, it'll go away. Maybe things will get better. Maybe like, you know, you never know. But five years of that, it, you know, that does have an impact on you. And there's, yeah, it's, um, I wish that we as, as a society were better at dealing with grief. Like I have this, I've had this, it's funny because there was one person in particular who I was in my grief group with who would like come to this. She would always say like, we just don't know how to talk about grief as a society. And like, she'd always say that, Um, but it's true. And it's, it's like the thing that actually jumped out to me because like my grief group experiences and a lot of that early grief was pre pandemic for me. But Mm -hmm. when this pandemic happened and when, just like some of the numbers of people who were lost um, came out. I was so disappointed that we don't like as a, at least in the U S like as a public health resource, we don't educate people about grief or, you know, it's um, it's sad, but I think at the same time, like that motivates me more to talk about it because one, it's like an outlet to personally to be able to share. And again, like film or, writing books or whatever it could be could be an outlet or making a podcast like Anderson Cooper did mm. could be an outlet but um it also could help other people learn to navigate doing this what you're doing yeah. today yeah well i mean and that's the thing like i it, and when it comes to my, my what i owe to myself is that when i have that thought about my dad or when i think of him or you know anybody who i really want to celebrate to like use just to use my voice to bring it up and it's like i don't need to stop and like because I've definitely thought like oh my gosh I want to write a book or you know I actually made a documentary more in honor of my dad than about him at one point but it was just like uh yeah it's like doing these little things might not feel as significant I'm sure you're like oh my gosh there's so many other ways I could honor or celebrate or bring Mm. my mom to life or whatever it might be for you know but I think for, for um I love the idea of like film and art and even back to creative writing, like what we were saying, these all could be forms of like healing and navigating through some really, really challenging stuff, which I think is pretty, pretty awesome. I want to get to, you mentioned writing a book. I also know about you working on a book. I'm so curious because I don't know what the book is. I don't think I know what the book is about. Maybe I do. I don't know. But yeah, like what is the book that you're working on if you're able to share anything about it? Because I know that's uh, sometimes funny for people. No, no, it's fine. uh, I have always wanted to be a writer. 
that was like, mm-hmm. so I've always wanted to be a teacher, but an English teacher and like have that kind of ideal writing life on the side. Yeah. And it was just something that I just was like, I don't think I'm emotionally mature enough to be able to do it. Like, I, I think they like uh, for me, I know that there are mm-hmm. many great writers who are younger, but like, I felt like I needed that kind of maturity to even contemplate tackling something like that. And I think right. as I got to the end of making the documentary, I was like, well, what's the next thing? Like I've proven myself. I love that. Like I said, this bucket list, like I've crossed these things. I've become a father times three. Place of life. Mm-hmm. made this documentary. What's the next thing? Like I need that next thing that is going to kind of keep me kind of um, enthused about creative pursuits. And it was just like, no, it's time to write this book that I've always wanted to. And my mom mm-hmm. always said she wanted to write a book but never even began the process of thinking about it. She even said to me in her last year, she said, um, I, I'll never get to write that book, but, um, but you will. You'll be able to write it for me. Mm. And, and I don't think she realised in that moment, she threw the gauntlet down and was like, yeah, well, I she to- did. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do it now, right? Like, <sighs> yeah. I have to do it now. Um, <laughs> so yeah like i've been just toying with a few ideas i've got like it's it's going to be mm-hmm. a uh so it's uh, fiction um it's going to be drawing upon elements of my life um mm-hmm. it's going to be about grief it's going to be about um you know a young boy trying to navigate life in australia little australian country town mm-hmm. um yeah that's all i'm really yeah i, I won't say any more but like no it's, um, yeah. I've finally started putting pen to not pen to paper, finger to keyboard. <laughs> I've done uh, well. finger to keyboard, uh, and do you know what? This might take me twenty years. It, 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 might, it might take yeah. me twenty years. And I debated whether actually I was to even going to start telling people that I yeah. um, had started. You need or, to. But I think you need to. And yeah. in the times when it was really difficult to make that movie, having my cousins and my family say, "How's the movie going?" was yeah. the thing that kind of kicked kick started me into gear. So, you know, with the yeah. proviso that it could take me a lifetime, but I will I will do it. I mm-hmm. it will I don't know if anyone will if will ever publish it. I don't know if anyone will ever read it, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. So that's well, that's my yeah. new personal goal. I love it. I love that. And I'm, I, I will read it. I'm excited to read it already. Uh, no pressure. Like it might be, you know, it might be a little gray by the time it comes yeah, out. Yeah, I know. I will like send that, it to but... you in your nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, but honestly, I love that. And you know, it's, uh, I don't know. There's just a lot about this conversation that I'm really, um, thankful for but also that i think i need to digest because there's so much like this is our first conversation nick and And it's like oh we have this in common and that in common and that in common and that in common and that in common and like we're you know you're insanely tired i'm just waking up at this point (laughs) um and it's like it's really awesome because i also my dad same thing he really wanted to always write a book or tell Uh, his story in that way I, in fact, was obsessed with the idea of him doing it because like he was he was like in his um my my mom now and she would not mind me saying, but she's like 75, I think now or this year she turned 75. So like older parents, um, but, you know, like in amazing health and everything. And but I still was like, my parents are older. I really want my dad to tell capture his story while he's around like 
no clue that he would be gone when he was, but mm. I would buy him he, these books on like how to write a book and all these things. Right, and he would right, read them and everything right, else. Right. But just be busy living life, which I think is like totally fair. And I'm glad that he lived his life rather than just focusing on like capturing the story of what his life was to date, which was really awesome. But yeah, I mean, your mom really did throw down the gauntlet there. And, you know, I will say something that jumped out to me from the Terrence show interview that you did, and I can't really even um, think of it. Um, and I'm glad that we're talking about this. Cause I think a lot of people will really connect with this too. Um, but it's just like, you know, just like the things that uh, your parents, your, your parent, your dying parent, Uh, might say to you that do motivate you in different ways like one of the things that I remember my dad said one of the last things really was like take care of yourself and it was like an offhanded comment I don't think he thought about it but it was just a reminder for me focus on me which I'm constantly learning to do Um, and it's challenging but it's like okay yeah you need to like say no you need to like take have Mm -hmm. self-care and all that other stuff so I'm excited for the book when it comes out um which i i will actually oh go for it go for it no i was saying like well if i ever do write it i will send you a copy (laughs) i would love to hold your breath do not hold your Um, breath (laughs) believe me i won't i won't (laughs) so i will say um you know there's like a few directions to go and we're really getting toward the end of this the very very end of this podcast but one um i guess i'm well yeah, there's like so many different places. We're talking about books, though. Let me just go in the book direction. Okay, sure. Because um, I always ask, I do ask the question to people, um, if your life were a book or documentary, what would the title be and why? And Nick, I would love to know from you, looking at your life and your journey to date, if it were a book or documentary, what would the, now I'm just stalling, title B and Y. <laughs> I hope I bought enough time to process Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a, that's a seasoned interviewer right there. <laughs> um, Hopefully it was enough. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I will steal some words from my mum. Um, uh-huh. And before she, when she was in hospital at the very end, she had kind of pretty much lost her memory and her faculties um and my sisters and i were just like oh my god we 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 need we need to get we need to do what you did which is sit down and interview her and Mm. she had she was not with it but we sat around and we recorded her voice we asked we tried to ask her some questions and they were were a bit kind of like you know some made sense and some didn't Mm -hmm. and then one of us i can't remember whom either me or my my sisters i got two sisters they said Mm -hmm. um what's some advice you would give us? Like what's some life advice you would, that we can take with us and about how to, how to live life. And she just looked at us and said, go find out for yourself. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that is like the most profound thing because mm. basically what she was saying is, I can't tell you, you need to find out. And you will go through life armed with the knowledge that I've already given you for you to Mm -hmm. then find out for yourself how to be whole, how to be better, how to be good people, because I'm not going to be around. Basically is what she was saying. She was saying that, like, you're not going to be able to come to me and and ask me about, you know, 
this practical thing about life or cooking or writing or or this kind of like emotional support thing. You just need to find that out for yourself. And so maybe maybe the title of my my book of my memoir would be Go Find Out for Yourself. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. And this has been a great conversation. I did want to ask, well, mm-hmm. But one, never hold on. Let me just before I keep going past that, just to like really, um, yeah, acknowledge like the the beauty of going and finding out for yourself. Like I think, um, it's so easy sometimes. I think in these conversations too to like, you know, or even just in life to not fully be present or to like sit with like the weight of something or the weight of the experiences in your life or the weight of like the conversations and interactions you have and the things you learn. And I am, um, yeah, I feel like going and finding out for yourself is a pretty, it's kind of a lesson that we all could kind of take and learn. Like there are so many questions, but I'm, I'm a big fan of questions because I feel like, if you ask the right questions, you could actually get the answers that you want and you need and all of that. And so, you know, you never really know what's going to be around the corner or what life will look like, but like go and freaking find out out for yourself. There we go. There we go. Look at that. So this has been awesome. I, but what I was going to say is I wanted to ask you, Nick, so back to the book process, I was actually having a conversation um, with AJ Mass, the iconic AJ Mass within this community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And AJ was ta- talking about how he's published two books already. And I was really like diving in to ask him about it. And one thing he said was like, you should really like, if you're ever looking to do a book, work with a book agent. So what he was talking about, I love how I'm like tra- just transferring knowledge from one interview to another, but he was talking about how like, basically, you know, if you're writing nonfiction, like you could just write, you could get away with writing a chapter or two and then you find a book agent and you shop around and then yeah. like you could have a publisher say like, Nick, we want you to write this book, um, which like I don't think is a good thing to wait on. Like you shouldn't wait for people yeah. to give you the permission to do what you want to do. But I was just saying like, I don't know if anyone if if anyone who's listening has <laughs> book advice for for Nick. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And for me, too, because I definitely want to. I'm a little behind. I, I don't want to say I'm behind in the process because who knows? Maybe I'll start and finish a book before you finish your book. Maybe I that's, think that's the a very high likelihood, buddy. Honestly, I'd be so proud. Honestly, yeah. I, and I feel like I would, whatever happens, I'd be happy for you with your book, Three Ton versus exactly, Inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you'd be happy for me if I ever even started Definitely. putting pen to paper, uh, fingers mm-hmm. to keyboard, finger to keyboard. But yeah, I mean, it's uh yeah there's so many ways you could do it and um i yeah. think if you're ever looking maybe to the point of some of what we've talked about if you are ever looking for you know support in that process or motivation in that process or guidance in that process like there's a community here that is willing to support and offer offer that guidance that's awesome and just yet another reason why i love being part of the community so thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it uh fan of the pod so good to be on one one thing i one thing i have to ask um Mm. could you just talk about how great shannon gus is uh it took an hour and 25 minutes (laughs) 
finally I get to talk about how great Shannon is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, I could do that for another hour 20, but Shannon is mm-hmm. the best. For anyone who doesn't know how Shannon and I became friends, Shannon uh, basically kind of like reached out when I got, when I inherited the Australian Survivor podcast from Rob and Stephen. Um, yeah. Shannon reached out and said that she, hey, do you need any help? Like, with the podcast just on a whim kind of did that and and I was like sure like I have no idea what I'm doing like mm-hmm. I'm I'm just grateful that I've been given this awesome platform and so she started kind of like making games or like doing some fact checking for me and then it just kind of like expanded to there and I brought her on the podcast and then she you know and then when I was when I was ready to kind of concentrate in other directions and you know have a kid and go back on Survivor. I didn't want to do the podcast anymore. And yeah. it just, it well, you know, it just was a natural, it just was an absolute no brainer that Shannon should take over. And, you know, giving her that opportunity was the best because I think we are all better for having Shannon in our lives. And, um, mm-hmm. and I'm very grateful to have been a part, a tiny part in that journey. And uh, that, you know, we talk, Nearly, nearly every day we're on we're mm-hmm. messaging each other and kind of particularly during survival australian survivor season and yeah it's just she's the best the best the best there is the like best. they're literally the best there is and i would i could listen to her talk about anything for any amount of time and i would be right there i have to say and you know like this is uh i'm realizing as i say this this is the pod friends season finale i at least assume this is the pod friends i believe this is the pod friends season finale um and i just want to acknowledge um in in terms of this conversation one like there's so many connections that some that i was expecting a lot that i was expecting even more that i wasn't expecting with you nick but then when i think of shannon um one i love like i've talked with a lot of people who've brought shannon up lately um but i i also really love and appreciate it and will bring her up because i had the beautiful opportunity to meet her in washington dc in november at the rhp live event or for those events and like we bonded so much and she's like genuinely a friend and it's like who would have thought that i could be in a community that would bring us together who would have thought that you know that there would be a survivor community at all that would allow people to connect beyond the shows and to like form friendships as podcasters or player to podcaster, what you player to player beyond the shows and all that. So just so much gratitude for you, for Shannon, for all the people, Uh, any closing words, Nick, for the people who are uh, tuning in. Can I just say a little trivia thing that I've said on the podcast? You can say whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. So I am one of the OGs. Do you know the OGs of Rob as a podcast? Like OGs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one day, many, many years ago, I was like, I wonder what Rob is up to. And I Googled him and I found that he had just started a website. And uh-huh. it was, I'm talking days old. And the first original website was, it had this little yellow pencil. And it was like a stream of kind of little kind of articles. It wasn't podcasts. Right. right. And they were about like baseball and uh, Seinfeld, I think. And that makes sense. He had, he had literally been up for days. And, and well, I guess it wasn't. 
it was called Rob has a website. I don't think it was a Rob right. has a podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was looking in the comments and I was like, oh my God, this would be cool. I wonder if you'll ever talk about Survivor. And I, I, I wrote a little comment and created a little thing and I said, this is great. Uh, w- will you ever be talking about Survivor on this website? And he wrote back and he said, yeah, like uh, maybe I'm not quite sure. So <laughs> I can officially say I am the first person who mentioned Survivor on Rob has a podcast slash website. Isn't that a cool, isn't that a cool little fact? Hopefully your proudest accomplishment. And maybe, you know, maybe Rob was never going to talk about Survivor. Maybe he was done with Survivor and he saw so much potential in you and your comment. And he thought, I need to help Nick Iadanza live his <laughs> dreams. This man is an inspiration. He's going to, he's a future survivor oh Australia legend. He didn't even, he already, funny. he knew, he knew that Survivor Australia was going to be a the thing. I'm sure, has. Rob. The power, the power, that power the power, the power of that Sesternino guy. Uh, and we are all here, here because of are. that one comment interaction. <laughs> We're all here because of that one comment interaction. And That's so funny. Anyway, Rob, I just thought I'd drop, I'd drop that tip. <laughs> I know. I know. Honestly, it's fun. That's a whole other conversation. I need to have Rob on at some point to talk with him. He, he's talked about so many times at nauseum, yeah. but like so much with his journey even connects with this conversation in terms yeah. of like, I, I've heard him talk about losing his dad too, but also just like, making reality TV and film and survivor and everything else. So honestly, you two don't even need me. Rob could like take my spot here and you could keep going uh, probably for another several hours. Um, But it's late for you. The sun is, is officially up for me. It's, it's been up, but uh, I just want to be dramatic. Uh, The moon, the midnight stars are probably twinkling. Um, But thank you. Thank you for Thank this you, conversation Matt. and for, uh, again, any, any uh, other closing words you want to get? No, just like um, I'm sure that maybe people want to check out the trailer to the video, to the movie. Uh, it's on my Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm hesitant to give out the whole thing simply because it's got some pretty uh, confronting footage of my mum in her final days. Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, for the, you know, I'm, I'm happy to send it to you because, uh, you know, uh, you're the best, but um, in terms of, I am aiming to put up uh, more appropriate uh, appropriate snippets that aren't so mm-hmm. personal. So yeah, if anyone else is interested, yeah, you 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 can see see some of it on my Instagram, which is at Nick Idanza. So it's the same as my Twitter. Shout out plugs at Nick Idanza. Um, Nick, thank thank you, you so much. That was the best. That was amazing. Thank you. You are great. And thank you for asking. And I'm proud to have been potentially the season finale. Thank you so much, everyone, for being part of this conversation with Nick as part of Pod Friends. And I really love the message that he he really instilled in me, which is to go find out for yourself. So often we have questions about the world, don't know where to go, don't want to know where to look, um, but going and finding out and um, not only asking questions, but finding answers is so critical. Um, and you need to start asking those questions and thinking, huh, what is it that I want to know before realizing that you could be the one who finds those answers? So 
If you want to know answers to other questions that I've asked on PodFriends, look at that segue. You can subscribe to PodFriends at robhiswebsite.com slash podfriendsfeed. Again, this is the season finale, unfortunately. Um, just sending a lot of love to everyone who's been here on the journey, who loves PodFriends, who's binging PodFriends, craving more, hoping to come back. If you send um, emails uh, to to podfriends at robiswebsite.com if you send tweets to at matt scott gw to at hey podfriends let me know what you think let me know what you want to hear um, on podfriends who you want to hear back um, there's so much more to come for podfriends and i'd encourage you to check out the show notes for even more links um, including where you can leave a voicemail including a form where you could submit potential guests but for now I just want to thank you all for being here on the journey this season. It was really a powerful one and um, very thankful for you. Hope that you're taking care of yourselves. And I just want to thank each and every one of you sincerely. Thank you for being a pod friend. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.